2: Here at Guitar Nerds, we're big fans of Isotope software and their impressive range of plugins. And you, dear listener, get 10% off all Isotope plugins at isotope.com with discount code NERDS10. Every Guitar Nerds podcast for well over five of its ten years has been edited, polished, and repaired using Isotope's wonderful range of tools. From their Nectar Suite to EQ, compress, and lightly add reverb to give the impression that Matt and I are in the same room, to the RX Repair Suite to deal with pops, clicks, and background noise. In fact, every sound sample that you hear on our podcast is mastered using Isotope's Ozone Mastering Suite, and I can even compare audio, EQ, and levels to other similar released material using Isotope's Tonal Recall. It's all very good, and believe it or not, there are a bunch of free plugins that you can try: a vinyl simulator for added character, the Ozone Imager for help visualizing your stereo mix, and a vocal doubler for added richness and depth to your vocals. Pretty neat. Check it all out at Isotope.com. What's what's the difference uh, between a, a poorly dressed man on a bicycle and a well dressed man on a unicycle?
1: I don't know. Attire. Mm.
2: (laughs) Hello, dear listener. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Guitar Nerds Podcast. I am your host, Joe Brandon, joined this week by Philip Carter. Hello there. Hello there, hello Philip, F- Philip from the Forty Watt Podcast, dear listener. Of, you probably know that by now because this podcast is fantastic, and also because we've had you on this on on our series like a bunch of times this year. This is uh, weaseling my way in, yeah, Those yes, what I do. exactly. Well, it's it's because you're you're so good and so much fun to talk to on the podcast, which is why we keep asking you back.
1: But we were well, on really, the. It- it's really, you just need someone to be contrary, and so that you can you can save your, you don't have to be the contrary one on here. <laughs> that's it, that's it, yeah. I could never get Matt to dislike anything, so yeah, that's uh,
2: <laughs> that's uh, that's exactly why. But this is the 13th episode, welcome back, dear listener. the 13th episode in season four, so I don't know, is this like your fourth episode with us?
1: Uh, you job. know what, the, With with all of the gear of the years, yeah. it all sort of <laughs> runs together, I'm not really sure anymore. No,
2: no, exactly. Exactly. But yes, welcome back, dear listener. Um, so last week, it was me and it was JD and I. Uh, this week, it's <coughs> Philip and me. And then uh, I think I think Matt's back next week. But we're um uh, last week, I had to record the podcast early and and have it out late because i was going on tour uh this week i've got back from tour but i got back from tour on the day that i'd normally record the podcast so we're recording it a day later and this isn't really interesting information for you dear <laughs> listen i'm sorry i don't know why i've gone off on these specifics but uh but yeah so we're, we're moderately late this week apologies for that but uh we've got lots of talk to, to talk about because i've just uh i've just got back from the mainland of europe on a On a tour with my band Polymath. So I want to talk about all the gear that I saw in mainland Europe because it's 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 wonderful how different it always is. I mean everything's always, you know, the the stuff that you get in the US compared to Canada even is different to the UK, to mainland Europe. It's always interesting seeing what the trends are at the at the sort of the lower levels, you know, the two hundred and fifty cap venue type part-time band circuit. It's always interesting to see what people are are using so we're going to talk about some of that, and of course, Nam is. We're on the doorstep of Nam, so people are starting to release stuff. Obviously, the pandemic, everything else has seen, uh, you know, a, a bit of a, a reduction in the amount of things that have been released over the over the last couple of years. It feels like people are starting to release things again. Unfortunately, most of them, are, most most companies seem to just be doing different colours of things at the moment. But there are some cool and exciting things so we're going to talk about. Those as well. Um, apologies at the start. Normally we would do the um, would do the topic of the week decided by the spinning of the wheel, but because I was away I didn't get a chance to ask Suresh from last week who, who won the spinning of the wheel what his topic would be so we're not doing that this week and I'll I'll get in touch with him this week and we'll we'll do that next
1: week oh first of all then <laughs> Philip <laughs> how are you how's it going I'm good, I'm good you know i'm I'm sad that I'm missing Nam because I'd really yeah. i've yet I've never been to a California nam I've only been mm. to the one summer Nam in Nashville I see and uh it was kind of a sad one too it was that twenty twenty one one that was kind of kind of a ghost town oh, yes. um but it, I feel like that was a great primer for Nam like I was said like, hey, here's a bait here's the tutorial, <laughs> and then we'll get to the real we'll get to the real game later, <laughs> you know yes. yeah, exactly
2: well, I really hope it's good, I'm not going either this year um it, 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 yeah, it's, it's uh, a weird time halfway halfway through the year. I'm still, yeah, I don't, you know, I, I'm not going to get into the NAM debate on on the podcast, but I'm still sort of I'm waiting to see what happens this year because it's still missing a lot of brands. You know, some yeah. people were very excitedly gearing up for it, and it's going to have lots of great brands there. But certainly, a lot of the the big companies are missing, and there's some question over whether or not you know. Now missing that massive cash flow that comes from those big companies is going to allow it to continue in the same way it's doing.
1: I'm I'm waiting to see. Yeah. Um, I, it'll be interesting cuz I, I think the next year is this slated to be back at their usual January yes, time. So right, yeah. you've you, we've only got oh i don't remember now i can't maths um well what have we got nine months until the next nam after this one next next california nam yeah exactly which seems odd doesn't it that is a
2: that's a short space of time for all these brands to get another run of gear
1: together Uh, yes exactly
2: (laughs) I, don't, I wonder if that's going to, you know, almost it needs to have the April one, this January one, and then the next January one could be back to full strength, whether or not, you know, the the organization can, can you know, weather that. Yeah. But we'll see. That,
1: that'll be the interesting thing. I'm, I'm interested to see how this one goes. You know, I've got lots yeah. of friends going, so um, I'll get their reports back and then that'll decide whether or not I'm going to try to make the trip in January. And then there's the question, is the Nashville one just dead? Are they going yeah. to even consider it again? I mean, obviously, it's not happening this year because April to June would be way too quick. Yeah, yeah. I I, I really hope not.
2: My, my opinion on the California Nam is – it's, it's, oh, this is going to be unpopular with, with the listeners. I'm not a massive fan of California. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm very English and European. It's really hot and everything's really big. <laughs> But also the event's too big. Uh, I almost get anxiety going to to them. I can't see everything. I just end up completely exhausted. Um, It's too big for me to actually see all the things that makes it worthwhile. And I've not been to the Nashville one. And everyone who goes to the Nashville one just says how amazing it is. Yeah, um, with
1: with twenty twenty one being an exception. Oh yes, obviously extenuating yeah. circumstances. I so from what I hear, I can only tell you what I what I've heard from other people that have been. Whereas the the California name is massive because it's. Everything, right? Right. Yeah. You like, we were guitar players. We think about the guitar stuff, but there's, you know, there's wind instruments and there's keyboards and drums yeah. and there's, you know, folk and there's the, all sorts of stuff going on. And there's that at the Summer Nam too. But from what I've understood, Summer Nam's always been just a little more guitar centric, right? Because Nashville's a guitar town. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's it. It just seems cool. The
2: events in the evening in Nashville always seem like they're a bit cooler and a bit easier to stroll around and get involved in. I found half of my day at Nam at, at the California Nam is trying to work out who's doing what in the evenings to know where within potentially an hour's drive radius that I need to get to, to yeah. you know, to see things. And you know that that's just the evening stuff. In the day, once I accidentally. Ended up on the drum floor. I think it took me 45 minutes to get out. You know, I didn't want to see any
1: of those drum things,
2: but that was 45 minutes of the festival. I was never going to get back.
1: You know, so <laughs> it's like wandering New Orleans and accidentally ending up on Bourbon Street, and you're like, I'm never going to get to leave here. This is right. just suck me in. I, I- right. Can't get through the sea of people. Oh <laughs> well, yeah, so so I'm a bit. I'm a, I'm a fan of a slightly smaller festival, so I do
2: hope that Nashville returns. I'm looking forward to myself. I'm looking forward to Guitar Summit in Mannheim in Germany. Oh, in September.
1: See- as you said, Guitar Summit, and in my brain, I went to Fretboard Summit, uh-huh. uh, which is what uh, Jason Verlinde over at uh, Fretboard Journal does every yes. August, and they're they're back, well, I'll say every August, I don't know if it's every August, but they did it last year, I went last year, hung out with Barry from Grez Guitars, and right. um, gonna go again this year, this year I'm gonna actually go to like the full event last year I was already in Chicago for something else. I was actually my, my wife and I were on vacation. Uh, we went to see Ariel Posen uh, and hang Amazing. out with some friends in Chicago. Oh, it was great. It just happened to be the same weekend. I swear listeners, it was an accident. I didn't do it on purpose <laughs> that it was the same weekend as fretboard summit. Um, but yeah, so this year I, so my wife, Uh, Barry was very kind and uh, put me as a guest on his guest list so I could get in to come hang out for a little bit, and uh, it was was great, and so I'm going to go this year, and I I got a few hours last time, I'm going to go for the whole event this year, I'm super pumped. Right. That, anyway, yes. Guitar Summit's a different thing. So tell me about Guitar Summit. Well,
2: no, that's that sounds absolutely wonderful. Uh well, Guitar Summit is something that um uh that I went to with Ashdown last year. Now, I had an issue with the event. It 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 was uh Mannheim in Germany is a fantastic place, wonderful to go to. You know, brilliant city, and the the event setting was gorgeous. It was big. You had loads of great, wonderful, interesting German brands that I just wouldn't come across um, if you know if if I hadn't been at the uh, at the event. A lot of German luthiers seem to not like social media or Instagram, so so they just seemed harder to get access to. So being able to see them firsthand was really nice at Guitar Summit. The thing I really hated was it was a quiet show. Now, part of this was because I'd taken Ash down there with a bunch of our massive amps, and it's my <laughs> fault for not realizing that it was a a, a, quiet, a silent show. But I was like, "What is even the point in us being here? What, what is the point? There's none. I can I can run people on headphones, so you get a, a vague idea of what the preamp might possibly do. It just it it, it just I, I really disliked it as an idea bear in mind they had it across like three or four floors put the amp brands on one floor and make that a loud floor if you if you want you know there's there were just right. there were so many options that i feel would have made it better um also and and this is document well documented on guitar nerds i don't like the concept of a silent show anyway i know people complain about shows being loud but this is rock and roll it's it's loud it's our hobby is a loud thing you know take up warhammer if you you know if you want something <laughs> to do quietly this this one
1: is supposed to be loud invest in some good earplugs
2: but yeah, yeah i, I want to hear get this behind
1: stuff. the silent thing i None. like i get it i really really do i you know i hear you all of you people but i'm like apparently there are so we've had this conversation in some chat groups that i'm in and in some discord groups that i'm in and and we talk about this all the time. And a lot of people are going this is outside of just guitar shows, just the whole silent stage thing too. Like, it's like they're constantly right. trying to quiet the music. Like we're an in like music is an inconvenience to right. this thing. You're going to, especially when I get really frustrated. Most when you go to a concert and they treat the volume, like it's an inconvenience, you signed up to come to this. Like this is a music show. You should expect some volume. But yeah. besides that, like I have people trying to pressure me into getting into like quad cortex and some other things like that. I'm like they don't excite me, they don't make me excited. But also, I don't trust sound people. as <laughs> as an audio engineer myself who worked in a club, I don't trust sound people. Most right. of the most of the clubs I play, not that I play that many anymore, but you know that I did play when I was playing a ton, they put the vocals through the PA and that was it. Like right. your amp was the sound for the whole venue. Or if they mic'd you up, that's awesome. You didn't get put back into the monitors because there were no monitors. So I, I, I can't use Quad Cortex. I can't no. use a silent system because then I wouldn't be playing. Like it wouldn't be possible. So yeah. and that's that's the majority of the small clubs that I and all of my peers play. Sure. Yeah. So it's, so the taking the volume out of music is just like I don't know. You're taking the soul out of it to me. But yeah. Yeah, there are plenty of people
2: that will disagree with us on uh, that. Yeah, but, please but, yeah, come, but- come and disagree with me, please. Let's go. I'm ready. <laughs> we can scrap. He loves it. I'm, I'm he ready. Loves it. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, but yeah. So so despite yeah despite the the silent uh, show, there's so many gorgeous instruments there that I'm very much looking forward to guitar. Summit. actually, another one we've got coming up in the UK is uh, the Brighton Guitar Show or the Brighton FX Expo. that's coming up in either June or July. Oh, <laughs> terrible. Wow. I should oh, really wow. know this because <laughs> I'm supposed to be helping promote this show. <laughs> <laughs> so I need to really – I should have checked that before the podcast. But anyway, dear listeners, I, I'm, I'm going to put some proper time promoting that because there's going to be a Guitar Nerds Live uh, going on Ooh. at that one yeah so i think uh I think M- matt jd and i are going to do a, a live podcast in in brighton from as part of it as part of that so that's going to be that's going to be as in like you know where people would normally play something uh it's gonna oh be yeah, yeah. Doing like you're not
1: going to broadcast it to the world live no. you're going to record it live in front of people yes exactly
2: we'll be taking questions and doing that sort of thing so i'm, I'm you, excited you know i've it. got
1: I've got something similar I'm going to try for the first time ever, live podcast recording coming up in May. Oh, yeah. Um, We're still ironing out some details, so I can't really give you a a full gamut of what we're doing. But Uh um, uh, the brothers Landreth, Joey Landreth and his his brother David, their band's going to be playing in Nashville. And so we're going to go up and some friends are going to go up. Uh, Scott from the Effects Loop podcast is going to be coming down. And um, I'm partnering with Caldwell Guitars there in Nashville. And we're going to do a live recording in store. We're going to go old school, like an old radio broadcast. So, Oh, I love like, it. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm going to try to do – I'm trying to rope in some, uh, some, some guest appearances that are in the Nashville area to come in and hang out and maybe record an episode. I think I'm going to try – I've been reaching out to maybe some – uh, manufacturers and some other makers to try to have a couple of giveaways in store to yeah. you know entice people to come in and talk about them on the podcast. I'm super excited. I love the concept of a live a live recording because it, it makes it feel like those old radio on location type things they would do. You know, yeah, I I, I love it. That, that yeah, that sounds great.
2: <laughs> I, I, we we did a couple with back when it was the. Where, when Nerds was the GAC podcast we did a couple huh. from the shop with, with with crowds of people coming in an audience of people crowds of people that <laughs> the shop could fit about 30 people in 30 people <laughs> yeah, let's say that but that was fun you know that was that, that yeah, was always, always nice doing it like that yeah <laughs> tens and tens <laughs> of people yeah. <laughs> but yeah so that that does sound good
1: um yeah no it's uh, a there, blast there was, so i love fun. that concept i'm looking forward to those episodes Oh, wicked. Oh, wicked. Well, anyway, I want to talk
2: a little bit about, uh, I want to talk about Europe, going to mainland Europe to do yeah. a little tour with Polymath. First of all, like, you know, just before I went out on tour, I got to play with my new band Silas Fennec as well that I've got with my partner Emma. We had a, our first show in Brighton. Honestly, dear listener, I can't remember if I talked about this last week. I, I've I've drunk so much uh, <laughs> over the last week that everything's a, a bit of a, I, I feel like maybe I did, but that well, that was an awful lot of fun. Got to mix between uh, the American professional two jazzmaster and the Grez Mendocino for the best part. I also had a Yamaha Trans Acoustic um, that I used for an acoustic, So mainly because none of my acoustics have pickups, uh, so I ha- that was the only one that had something built in. So I had to, uh, so I had to use that. I, I think the Yamaha Trans Acoustic's fine, but I have nicer acoustics that I'd rather use. I need to get that sorted. I actually Jay gave me a Fender bar pickup that fits in a sound hole years ago that I still haven't put in anything. So I need to do that. That's that's got to be on my list. Annoyingly, just before I went away on Europe, uh, the day after I uh, left my new ACS um earplugs turned up. Um, oh no. Yeah, yeah, so I had to use some cheap ones for the tour which was a shame. But dear listener, if you're if you're in the UK or Europe, I, I don't know if ACS I don't think ACS are over in um, the US, but I'm not familiar with them. Uh, who's the biggest earplug like molded earplug company oh. in the US?
0: Ready to pop the question?
1: Joe, you remember that whole conversation we just had about volume? Yeah, and you're asking me about earplug companies. <laughs> uh, I'm not the guy to talk to. Right. I have a set of, I actually have them right here on my desk. I have a set of uh, earpiece, e a r p e a c e, earpiece. Yes, yes. Very good. Um, that I use. Uh, they're you know straight out of the store. They're not molded. Uh-huh. Um, I have to use the smallest ones possible because apparently my ear canals are tiny for right. for. A person but um that's just I've, I've never felt the need to get molded ones so oh, these are these work much. just fine yeah i i find <coughs> that those ones because i have you know
2: a, a similar set of cheap ones that obviously i just had to use for an entire tour yeah i find that they cut out far far too much and the problem mm. is when you've got an earplug that's cutting out way too much or muddying things you're likely to remove them and then what you're doing is damaging your hearing. So yes, absolutely. This th- these are very important. I mean, Jono, the guy who runs uh, ACS, I, I actually I met him at the uh, at the Birmingham Guitar Show, which is where I got my ears moulded for the second time because I'd recently lost my ACS moulds, and they only keep your your ear size on file. Uh, for four years, and I'd, I'd had them about eight, so they. Sure. So I had to get them remolded, but I ended up getting my ears molded by Jono, the guy who owns the company or runs the company, and he, he's such an interesting backstory. It turns out he was actually an Ashdown artist uh, years ago when he played. He used to be a bass player, used to play for BBC bands.
1: Oh. Um, well, being being an Ashdown indoor C explains why I needed the earplugs. <laughs> there you go yes yeah quite but he uh uh
2: he he said yeah he used to you know be a bass player for bbc bands never used to wear earplugs and he eventually got chronic tinnitus mm. and when he started looking into this he, he got he got really angry about the fact that you know the bbc hadn't actually offered any you know any support they hadn't recommended that people get earplugs and certainly we're talking you know 20 30 years ago it, health and safety wasn't what it is today, and so yeah. it, it was just something he just had to deal with. And uh, I, I, I don't know the details of this, so it's, I'm going to skirt around it too much. But I believe he took the BBC to court for for this, and oh. with with the amount of money he won, uh, he set up ACS uh, earplugs and has used. We, we're actually going to going to get him on a little bit of a podcast soon to kind of talk about. Um, uh, to talk about that, how important having good earplugs is. Cause if you like to play stuff really loud, then, you know, the, these, it's a good thing to invest in, but I was able to get, you know, you can even choose your color. So I've got some nice black ones that they've got a little cord yeah. with a little clip so they can attach to the back of my shirt. So, you know, I can take them out without them falling off. And I've opted for a 15 decibel cut that, um, that's, that cuts slightly less in the mid frequencies, uh which is perfect for, for bass guitarists basically so I can still hear yeah. the clarity of the note whilst reducing everything a, a decent a decent amount. But huh. I, I know they're Maybe. not cheap, you know, a hundred and Whatever, one hundred and thirty pounds ish, I think, for a set. That's not terrible, though. No, no, exactly. I think it's just it's not a very
1: glamorous thing. Well, (laughs) no, neither money on. Neither's buying a two hundred and fifty dollar mono gig bag, but you got to do it, you know.
2: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's. uh, (coughs) I remember when that was. uh, You know, when that sort of money for a gig bag was absolutely outrageous but now Man. most people have a mono gig bag
1: so well it's because they're that <laughs> good I, change, I'm also yeah. a big believer in the reunion blues ones oh yeah um, they're very good I, I recently was looking at because I'm I take two I'm gigging starting to gig more again uh-huh. and I was I take two at least two guitars to every gig because you know you should um, right. and I was looking at one of those dual mono gig bags and I was like yeah $350 for a gig <laughs> bag <laughs> <sighs> this yeah. is not an exciting purchase. I still haven't purchased it yet. haven't, haven't worked myself up <laughs> into buying, <laughs> but I really need to, I really need to just break down and do it. Um, but yeah, it's one of those things. Protecting your hearing is a massive deal, especially yeah. as a musician, like take away, well, I'm, I'm going to need touch. So give me touch and hearing, take all my other senses and I'll, also sur- it'll, it'll suck, but I'd survive. Yeah. So, you know, I, uh, invest in your hearing actually maybe i need to look into molded earplugs if i'm going to be gigging more again and actually get some good ones
2: well the thing is that once you've got used to them and if you get the right decibel cut for for you and they're molded it becomes very easy to just keep them in like you know I, i if i'm when i had the molding earplugs they'd stay in throughout the support bands when i play Often I wouldn't take them out afterwards, you know, when you're just walking around talking to people because it's just bringing everything down. And once you're used to that, it's achievable. You're not losing the clarity, and with cheap earplugs, you're just it's you're bunging, you know, essentially shaped plastic into. I know that's what you're doing with the others, but you know, I just mean yeah. you're you're just plugging your ears with the other ones, and so everything's muffled. These are very well designed with this specific you know, the, the EQ in mind for what's going to maintain clarity without damaging your hearing. So it is, uh, it's, it's potentially worthwhile. I think, uh, Philip, I, I totally agree.
1: Hmm.
2: Yes, absolutely. Well,
1: also same thing for in-ear monitors. If you do in-ear monitors, get them custom molded. I know that yeah. I've got a set of in-ear monitors. I hate wearing, they're not comfortable. Um, they work, but yeah, I, sh- I probably need to break down. Because I, I think with this band, if we start playing a lot more uh, and we are hoping to play more, I'm probably going to invest in a our own in-ear rig so that we can right. take our in-ear with us so that we can do our own monitoring. Because um, I just feel like that simplifies setup, that simplifies, Definitely. you know. Sound uh, check it, is halved in time, yeah. Yeah, and it absolutely means that you're going to hear what you need to hear every yeah. time. Yeah, definitely. So. Absolutely. Certainly
2: in, in my band, our, our sax player runs on in-ear monitoring. Half of that is because, you know, how much uh, an instrument like that is going to feed back if you've got his mix blasting back at him yeah. from a monitor a, a couple of feet away. But yeah, they, they're, you know, easy, easy, easy to sort out and uh, and they make a, a big difference. Now, I want to talk a bit about the gear that uh, I went on tour in Europe. Yeah. And fir- first of all, first time... So, so a lot of the, because Europe is, mainland Europe is so wonderful, and so many countries have such excellent government funding for events and shows, a lot of the venues we were playing in were very lovely, gorgeous, well-fitted out, um, excellent sound systems, wonderful desks, wonderful sound engineers, um, and uh, I guess that meant for the first time on kind of treated stages, that they're designed to let your amps be relatively loud. So uh, almost we ended up having to play slightly quieter than we would normally because everything's dealt with so well on those stages. Problem with that, Tim, our guitarist, uses the Fender Bassbreaker 1830, the 30-watt <laughs> uh, amplifier. And, if, if, dear listener, if you check out this amp, they go for not very much uh, secondhand. The reason is they're heavy, they're huge, and they're insanely loud – they don't have any way of attenuating that volume without, um, because you've got no access to the back panel or any of any of that stuff, without you actually paying to have a mod done on the back of the amp that we spoke about on the podcast some time right. ago. But uh, Tim is on 0.8 of a 1.0 uh on his volume cuz it's just three bands of eq and a and a volume there's nothing else no gain that is what he's at in a five piece with a drummer absolutely hammering the drums you know i'm i'm playing through a big old bass rig there's a sax player and we've got a synth player playing three different keyboards it's a loud but we're a loud band and he's on point 8 and on i think three out of the six shows we played the sound engineer asked if tim could turn down on stage and the thing is, you can't, because at point eight, the, the tiniest movement, you're almost off. Like, yeah. he is at the lowest volume he can be, and there be volume, and it was too loud. We ended up, um, I had a few spare pedals, we ended up having to put a, uh, uh, a drive pedal in the front of Tim's cha- chain, shut all the gain down off of it, and just use the volume control to reduce it. So we weren't getting the most out of the preamp, which was a shame. It lost some of its sparkle, but we sort of made that up on an EQ later on on the chain and stuff. But it required some on-the-fly pedal board fixing to deal
1: with just how incredibly loud this amplifier is. I am gonna recommend. First of all, I have actually recommended that amp. I had um, Sarah Rudy from the band Hello June on my podcast uh, right. recently, uh, and she's playing one of the uh, Vox AC tens, and she wanted something a little, you know, a little more umph in it, but right. not necessarily an AC thirty. I actually recommended the bass Breaker eighteen thirty because uh. it it is, believe it or not, listeners, it is lighter than an AC thirty. Um, <laughs> Uh, but anyway, um, I think they also made a 112 version in that line, which they I did actually a think was the one. I, yeah. yeah, that was the one I recommended to her. Um, but that's why I, when I gig, I always I this is not very rock and roll, y'all. I know this is so bad, but I have one of those plexiglass shields that oh. I carry around. <laughs> I take with me. Wow, um, do, do you think that, and that makes a lot of difference. It makes a, It makes a huge difference because what it does, um, it doesn't make a huge difference on stage. Right. to be honest, could because it's still reflecting back. You're still hearing it like on the stage, but yeah. what it's not doing is not beaming that sound guy in the face. Yeah. So now it's stopping that direct mids in the face for your crowd and for your, your, your sound guy, especially. Um, and so it's much more manageable and you can do some other things. There's a bunch of people have found other solutions. They use the isolation microphone thing. So that also you're not getting the reflections back into the microphone. Right. Um, uh, There's some really good options in that, in that way, but highly recommended. I know it's not very rock and roll and, but the best part is it's super easy to carry around. It's not an, it's, it's not a huge hindrance of an extra piece of gear. I actually went to, I went to a arts and crafts store or may have gone to a Michael's or something like that. And I found one of the like felt lined portfolio holders. Like it's just this little thin strip of, of soft fabric that's felt or feels like felt, um, That's meant to carry like art projects in, like you put your paintings and your photographs in it and carry it around, right? The the shield fits perfectly in it, and so I put it in there. <laughs> it put it in the, it goes in the back of my my car with uh, right next to my amp and my guitars, and takes up almost no space. Right, um, and I always have it because you never know you're going to get on that stage where the sound guy's like you're down at one or on my super reverb, it's like at like one point nine. It's like this weird point where it just vanishes if you go below that, I but see. it's too loud right at it. You just put it in front of your amp, and uh, the sound guy's happy. Wow, that's uh, that 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 might actually be
2: a great solution uh you know, I, I i we see i actually think we're going to have to cut an attenuator into tim's uh, mm. base breaker. you know, we've got to do something about it it's it's far too loud
1: um that that i, I of- will say the plexiglass is cheaper than an attenuator so <laughs> yes
2: yeah that that is true that is true. Anyway. Well, w- w- one thing I found uh, about about bands on, on mainland mm-hmm. Europe, certainly this time around, is whereas over here in the UK, Tim is very unusual in that he brings a combo, and most people don't. In fact, I would say almost every single show we play where we're headlining, we're asked um, not if we have a cab, you, you know, if we it's cab or combo, but the support bands will ask if they can share our cab. They just, uh, you know, people assume that, um, that it's a head and cab because head and cab yeah. is so so common. And it's almost about I always feel very bad getting back to them being like, I'm so sorry we actually play a combo, so you won't have to bring your, your own. In mainland Europe, I we I didn't we didn't play with a single band that used a head and cab. Every single guitarist played a combo. And most of them were Fender uh hot rod deluxes or, you know, a a variant of of that. Certainly an incredibly Fender seemed to have dominated mainland europe amplifiers for kind of proggy post rocky math rocky bands
1: that amp is brilliant it is it look it does it is it the best sounding amp on the planet absolutely not is it a good sounding amp that can give you what you need in almost every situation yes it is yeah yeah, I, absolutely. It, people can fight me on it. It's I. <laughs> uh, are they worth fixing when they break? No, toss them. You know, just salvage salvage the speaker for your parts covered, and then move on. You know, that's about it. But and the tubes. Um, but no, just go get another one. There's there's one r- listener wherever you are right now. There is a Hot Rod Deluxe on Facebook Marketplace within fifty miles of you for three hundred dollars. Go buy it. Right, <laughs> right. Yeah. Oh,
2: yeah, I mean, and
1: they, they sounded great. They sound
2: fantastic. They're such great-sounding mm-hmm. amplifiers. But yeah, most of the guitarists were well, those. The One of the only exceptions was someone who had, you know, Acoustic, the, the company Acoustic. They oh, had one yeah, of yeah. The, the old solid-state guitar combos. Of course, Acoustic, more famous, I think, for Jacob Pistorius' uh, Acoustic 360 bass amplifier. And kind of, I think they're really known for their bass amplifiers. But... Yeah, a little solid state one twelve, uh, old acoustic amp. With it looked absolutely gorgeous. I don't know how these things ever went out of fashion. They're incredibly cool. They're minimalist. They've got uh, um, they've got fader based EQ sections on them. This is you know, there's there's something of the sort of messaboogie boogie about the control panel to some of them, but they're they are they are very cool. I don't actually know. How much they go for, and of course, trying to search for acoustic as a brand <laughs> is impossible on the internet. Um, so yeah, it, it, yeah. Uh, it, it, impossible for me to check. Um,
1: yeah. I, Your I best bet's going on reverb and looking for one. Yeah, yeah, exactly.
2: But but uh, that was the only exception. It sounded absolutely fantastic. Um, so it was, that was that was interesting. That was my most interesting takeaway from Europe was how the how. I do find people tend to buy less into new gear um, whenever I'm playing with European bands. Everything's still, you know, the, everything's a lot of vintage stuff, not necessarily vintage, vintage stuff, but just road-worthy classic options. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't see a lot of you know neural DSP or or even Helix or anything like that. You know, whereas oh, I, I spoke. It, you know, a, a month ago, a month, two months ago, when I went on the when Meth went on a tour of the UK about how over half the bands were using Helix that that we played with. See, and, and, that, and-
1: that's so odd to me because these these same friends are trying to talk me into Quad Cortex or or you know I've done the Helix thing before, yeah. um, and I explained to them like because I have I I go to a bunch of shows but I've got friends, especially this one friend in particular, he goes to. He goes and sees 150, 170 shows a year. Like, that man is always traveling to hear live music. And right. so I've had him keeping track. It's like, all right, you t- and he's going to see small acts. He's seeing national acts. He's seeing everything. So I told him, I need you to keep track of how often you see a digital modeler on stage. Right. like oh, That's an interesting thing to ask. Yeah, because yeah. he, he sees so much live music. And yeah. I asked him, you know, take pictures of the guitar player's rig. I want to know how often you're seeing amps and how often you're seeing uh, digital rigs. And he's probably been to, so far this year, 30 or 40 gigs, uh, and I've seen zero modelers. I've seen zero digital rigs. Not that's one. Interesting. I actually saw my very first quad cortex in the wild this past weekend. Uh-huh. Not at not at a church service. Not you know not in a worship <laughs> venue or not in like a band in a musical, um, but in like an actual live like festival performance. I saw my first ever, and it was a jazz uh, guitar festival. Right. Oh, that's weird. Yeah. I, it I was, was just say.
0: I festival. bet.
2: Here's the thing. I bet if you and I went to a to a tech metal festival would Mm -hmm. see nothing but... Uh, you know, digital modelers. So there's definitely, there is, there's, I, I feel like there are genres. Yes. Where they're definitely better for. And we both listen to a lot more rock and roll than, you know, than, than tech metal. And I, I think that's probably why we're just out of the, the, the right genre. You know, we, we might as well be saying right now, Oh, I can't remember the last time I saw a BC rich in the world. It's like, no, because you know, <laughs> yeah, we exactly. we're not, <laughs> we're not
1: going to those shows, but yeah. I mean, I'm going to a blues festival I'm playing next weekend, which is why I'm not going to NAM. I'm playing this blues festival. i got a bunch uh-huh. of gigs lined up. And uh, I I would put my entire month's salary on I Will Not <laughs> See a Helix or a Quad Cortex at this Blues Festival. I see. Are you, what, what, what are you playing at the Blues Festival? So it's, uh, it's the Juke Joint Festival in Clarksdale, Mississippi, my hometown. Um, I've got a couple of different gigs. I'm playing acoustic guitar for another guy. He's got a couple of gigs. And I've got a couple of acoustic gigs and a band gig and then i'm sure i'll pick up another jam or two uh this this i've played this festival this is its 20th year i've played it every year Um, that's very cool i've played as few as three gigs over the weekend before um and i've played as many as eight over a three-day span it it can be it can be hectic but it's my favorite music festival i've ever been to and i've ever played so Uh, amazing what what gear are you gonna take um, that's a good question. I'm going to take for, actually, my acoustic stuff's going to take up way more room. So I'm going to take two acoustic guitars and a resonator. Okay. What for are the slide. acoustics? Uh, yeah, the acoustics, I have a, a bourgeois, uh, OM vintage, uh-huh. uh, that I keep down in D standard. So I'll take that. I have a Larave uh, Larravee D05 that I've had for 17 years. I'll keep Ooh, that in standard. Nice. I love that guitar. I, I it was my first like proper great acoustic guitar, and right. so um, and I have a a Republic uh, resonator that I outfitted a pickup on. It's a uh, biscuit bridge style resonator that I'll play slide on. So I'll take those for the acoustic gigs, and then for electric, I will probably take. I'm going to take a small combo, which doesn't make me happy. I want to take a big, <laughs> I want to take a big rig. Normally, um, my, my stage this year that I'm playing on for the festival is um, an indoor stage. I normally play on an outdoor stage. They have, a, they have a bunch of daytime stages, and some are outdoor, some are indoor. Since I'm indoor, I'm going to take a smaller amp. Uh, so I'm going to take a uh, Tyler JT14, which is a little, um, I it's like a, Princeton Reverb, but with a twelve-inch speaker. I'm so, just looking
2: it up because I'm not familiar
1: with this. At oh, all. Tyler Amps is great. Um, Tyler Tyler Amp is the company I tell people to look at all the time uh-huh. because they are they're hand wired, well built. John uh, uh, Brinton, I think is his last name. Right. It's it's like Branton but with an I. <laughs> He um, he builds these amps. Uh, they're great. They've got a JT fourteen, so which is like a Princeton Reverb. They got a JT twenty two, which is like a Deluxe Reverb. Right. They've got you know they they've got variants of all the popular circuits. Uh, sure. They've got a Voxy circuit. They've got a Marshall circuit. They've actually got uh, a a low wattage Dumble style circuit that he doesn't make very often. Um, they also do a flip top base. I was gonna Based say they do the a flip top base. I've very talked cool. I've talked to John about getting one of those at some point. I'm gonna get very one. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. And and my favorite part. First of all, new they go for less than the a Fender new reissue version of the <laughs> amp. Wow. And used they go for very affordable prices. So Highly recommend them. I think they're great sounding amps. Uh, so I'll take that one and I'll take uh I'll probably take my small pedal board. I may not even take a pedal board. I may just take a king of tone and just run it directly into the front. I guess for uh, blues
2: you don't need an awful lot, do you? If it's not really. keeping it classic. Yep. Just something to excite the front end of the amplifier and you're kind of there.
1: That's it. That's absolutely it. And I've got if I really need it, I've got trim on the amp. Right. Have you got reverb on the amp?
2: hmm So there you go.
1: Yep. So it's it's set. I mean that's that's super easy um i might take a fuzz we'll see Hmm. Hmm. yeah that sounds really cool oh what i'd love to go and do a blues festival and just wander around and play shows that sounds super exciting it's such a blast and it's such a it's such a low-key festival um lots of out lots of stages and they've got this whole setup where there's like all these nighttime venues and like Clarksdale is a small town but has live music seven days a week which is odd for a super small town um but on this night in particular, there are places that serve as nighttime venues that wouldn't normally have music at all. Right. So they'll have all, all these bands set up. And so you buy a wristband that's like, I don't know, 25 or 30 bucks, and it gets you into all of them. And they'll run a little trolley or a little bus that looks like a trolley um, around town. And you can just hop on and hop off at all the different venues. And so you just bar hop all these these venues and hear <sighs> these bands. That sounds, that sounds like an awful lot of fun. It is. It's an absolute blast. It's my, again, I've played, well, I've played South by Southwest Periphery. I've not played the official festival. You know what Uh I mean? Yeah. Um, And I've been to, I don't know, dozens of music festivals. And this is my favorite because of just, it's so like low key. It's like parts just county fair. Yeah, it's about the music. It's wonderful.
2: Yeah, that sounds absolutely awesome. Ah, oh, I hope you have the best time and the setup sounds very cool. I, that, that's cool. I'm, I'm up for kind of a, a cool minimal great sounding setup. Did you what, what electric are you going to take?
1: Um that's a that's a great question. Um I, I have a lot more great electric guitars than last year when I went. Um, Will you just take one, seeing as you're making it such a simple setup? No, you're I, not going to take one. I'll take two just in case. Right, right. Uh, I'll take two just because if something breaks, you know, I've got a 45-minute set, right? Uh-huh. So if something breaks, I don't have time to change a string. I've got I've to gotta be able to keep going. So I don't I know. I thought take... This is 335 territory, is it not? That's that's top of my list. That's absolutely top of my list. I'm gonna take the 335, and then I'm probably gonna take uh one of the novos. I don't know if right. I'll take the Saris J or the Ceres S though. Mm, okay. So one's a P90 thing with a with a tremolo or a vibrato, uh then the other is a you know, three pickup strat, strat. style thing. Yeah.
2: That's very cool. That's
1: uh yeah.
2: Okay. Well let's see. Let me you know, let me know what you end up taking. I hope there's I some will. videos or something that I get to I get to Yeah, I'll try list. to get some
1: videos. I'll post some stuff over on Instagram. So listeners, yeah. follow me on Instagram at forty Watt Podcast. And uh yeah, I'll post some pictures. Yeah, absolutely. Now dear listener, I didn't mean to mention this at the start of the podcast, but I forgot.
2: After uh, Philip and I finish over here, we're going to head over to Patreon, patreon.com forward slash guitar nerds, where we record an entire extra episode. And each week, we answer questions from the Facebook group, the Guitar Nerds group on Facebook. This week, um, I've been looking at some things, that the, some posts that have more been uh, inspirations for topics for us to talk about rather than Uh, exact questions um and i think i kind of like to talk around yogi yogi the guitarist um posted earlier this week um to say that the wonderful people at lsl instruments invited him to build his perfect guitar as part of their artist family uh which is incredibly cool um and he's posted pictures of it it's a gorgeous telecaster so i kind of just wanted to t-style guitar with a humbucker in the neck And I just thought, damn, LSL, uh, a great guitar brand that we just don't talk about enough. So I'd like to spend some time talking about the guitars that they do and the interesting options that they offer. And seeing as we've got Philip on the podcast, I could not take inspiration from uh, one of Kyle Harris's comments on the group uh, who posted to say that his collection's finally complete. He owns one of each of the original run of Ibanez 9 Series pedals. So I wanted to talk about kind of these pedals and how cool the 9 Series of Ibanez pedals are and why you, dear listener, should own at very least their pink analog delay. Um, yes. But also I uh, I just want to talk around other kind of pedal collections, things that are cool to try and... Collect uh, a few of, and then maybe if we've got time, John By, uh, ask the interesting question of baritone, bass six or seven, stroke eight string. What's your choice for low end tone and why? So we'll um, we'll go and talk about those things afterwards. Um, but before uh, before we do, um, I wanted to do a little bit of our our show and tell section of the podcast. Because I, I, the last couple of weeks, I haven't really got around to it on an episode. And, you know, what? I've been spending an awful lot of time with the Hampstead Soundworks Comet. Dear listener, I posted a little video of this, a little reel on the Guitarners' Instagram. I They are very well-built, awesome, uh, you know, British-made, you um, Pedals, obviously Hamstead, more known for their incredible amplifiers, but their their effects range is actually excellent, high quality. You know, they're not they're not they're not afford they're not cheap pedals. Um, what they are is extremely well built, and uh, what I kind of like about them is they're al- also you know so, sometimes when you get a pedal that's premium, it's also flooded with controls, um, and it's almost that versatility equals. V- price hikes you know that's that's how it goes these are just simple great pedals that sound good kind of wherever you put any of the controls they're just designed to be brilliant with high quality components and excellent craftsmanship i love the comet the most they call it their interstellar driver it's a green overdrive pedal dear listener (laughs) um (laughs) but um it's fantastic. It actually sounds great for bass as well. What's quite handy is you can open up the back and it's got a little a little one of those mini controls, rotaries in, in the back um, that is a bass cut. So you can wind that completely off and then it's letting through all the low end and it becomes far more suitable for bass. So I appreciate none of you care about that except for me, but what I'm saying is it's a great bass overdrive as well as being a fantastic guitar overdrive. Simple controls, bass, treble, and again a function that I wish more drive pedals do. Now, KMA do this on a lot of their drive pedals, and I love that they do it. I think it's a very important thing, changing, having a little switch to change the order of whether it goes EQ before your gain stage or gain stage and then EQ. You know, if if you want to run, I mean, the advantage of this is if you want to run EQ into drive, that's a great way of kind of really pushing um certain frequencies making them especially driven and getting some really interesting unique drive sounds out of them kind of muddier more i don't want to say extreme but more full-on uh drive sounds whereas if you run drive followed by an eq you can use that eq to kind of make a more full-bodied tone because the eq is 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 Staying clean after the drive circuit, and you can—it's easier to shape something that's uh, maybe slightly more all-encompassing. Um, it's very, very good. Uh, I've got a lot of time for this pedal, and the rest of their pedal range is very good as well. Have you, have you had a chance to check out any of the Hampstead Soundworks stuff?
1: No, uh, unfortunately, we don't really see a lot of that over here. Mm-hmm. So I was, uh, you know, the only time I've ever seen a hamstead in person, uh actually was at the fretboard summit last right. year. Um Matt from Mule Resiphonic was there who makes the wonderful resonators and uh I really want one of his Mavis models, which is this wood-bodied electric resonator kind of thing. Right. Um he uh he had one at his booth. So I played that uh I must have sat there for a half hour playing one of his guitars through that. And uh, then also later that night, um, Adam Miller, uh, Australian guitarist, uh, sat, played, opened up for that at the show I was actually in Chicago for, opened up for uh, Ariel Posen and actually played that Hamstead. He borrowed it from Matt for that show, so... (laughs) Oh, that's very cool. That's, that's awesome. That, that's literally my entire experience with Hamstead, other than seeing them on YouTube. Mm, yes. Well, of course, Hamstead have
2: a close <laughs> relationship with Mule. You can, in fact, order Mule guitars from the Hamstead website. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, it's very yeah, very cool. They have their their books open from there, and whenever you see, uh, whenever there's a Hamstead show in the UK, of course, Hamstead also have a very close relationship with Matt from Fidelity Guitars. So they always tend to share a booth, but. Often there will also be a mule guitar on the booth alongside Hampstead as well. And they are
1: such wonderful guitars.
2: They are such wonderful guitars, such specific sounds. I always think, like, uh, if you want to know what a mule sounds like properly, you know, not with just YouTube videos or whatever, then listen to uh, Miles End 2 um, by Ariel Posen. Yes. Um, it's, uh, It's just, yeah, just the sound of, like, down tuned, uh, uh, not so down tuned. Solo guitar blues, just edge of breakup. Very low, very raspy. Just the guitar, just the focus on some cool, not over the top licks. It's I, I think it's the best thing he's ever done, and sonically is uh, yeah,
1: just a master master works in interesting blues. You know, you should. You should uh, um, those those guitars are some of the most inspirational things I've ever played. The ones yeah. I the ones I played at Fretboard Summit. Um, sometimes you pick up a guitar and you're like, "Oh, this sounds good. This is this is a good guitar," you know. Um, <clears throat> but then sometimes you pick up an instrument that you stop thinking about the instrument, right? That you just play and and i know that sounds like totally hippie, totally like out there but like sometimes you you get into something and you feel something and it changes and it it can be a pedal it can be an amp it can be anything but his guitars were that for me i just sat there and played i'm i'm in a room full of builders and it's it's small guitar show esque it's not you know it's not nam it's not loud but still you know yeah, we all get it, get that music store self conscious. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, yeah, you're like I yeah, don't want to play yeah. too loud. I don't want to, you know, I don't want people to hear my, my crappy guitar player or whatever you're thinking in your head. I didn't think any of that while playing those guitars. Like I just right. played, and like if there was ever a time where I wouldn't get lost in that moment, that feels like the space. But they were that that good, yeah, and. I don't know. They're so different. There's nothing else like them. Yeah,
2: exactly. Imagine <laughs> you know achieving being unique while still being classic, whilst offering something completely modern, whilst not being modern. It's almost anti-modern. You know, there's yeah. I don't know. They're they're indefinable, but they are absolutely fantastic. Okay. I mean, before we before we go off uh, topic too much, yes. um, this is the sound of the. Comet by Hampstead Soundworks Um, it's just guitars played Uh, I've actually set up a um so it's a jazz chorus amplifier model um courtesy of the uh the oh the thing I've forgotten the name of the IK multimedia the thing that. I completely forgot the ToneX. The ToneX. Thank you. There we go. You're we got welcome. there in the end. Yeah, thank you. It's just a jazz chorus setup of the ToneX because I wanted to be like, well, I want every bit of the gain stage to be supplied by the Comet, three or four different guitars and a lead guitar part just to show the versatility. This is classic sounding overdrive, but it's very very good. Here it is. So there you go, dear listener and Philip, the Hampstead Soundsworks Comet. It's just, I kind of feel like it's one of those pedals that if you just want one drive pedal that sounds properly rock and roll, you'd be hard to top this.
1: I am big on to just having one drive pedal. I yeah. oh this is my unpopular opinion that gets me in trouble with people with with like 17 drives on a pedal board. I'm like uh-huh. why 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 you work so hard?
2: Why? One great drive and a great boost to <laughs> yep. uh, to run into it just just get you know the almost a second channel kind of out of it. You keep it simple like that. It gives your sound some 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 consistency and also if you spend a lot of time working with that dry pedal you'll learn to know everything about its subtle nuances and you'll get the most out of it. I know I'm speaking as someone who changes my pedal board you know almost every fortnight so that is not me but I'm sure (laughs) there are you know people better than me that, that that get more out of their out of their
1: guitars well Well, I mean, if that's what you enjoy doing, you know, I'm not, I'm not here to stomp all over your joy. You know, you do what you want. It's the same thing with all these people with all the drive pedals. Man, if that makes you happy, it just drives me. It would give me anxiety. Like I would, I would lose my mind. It's like these massive pedal boards. I'm like, and I've had them. I've had the massive pedal boards and they did give me anxiety. And I was like, I I can't give me like, I, I need like a nano. Actually, like a Nano Plus is the biggest size pedal board I need. Like, right, I can get by with that, and just and it's so much easier to swap. Oh, I'm playing this gig here. I'll change this pedal out because I need yeah. this one for this gig. And ah, oh, I uh, so good.
2: the the anxiety inducing thing for me is I can't imagine going back to not having a switcher. Admittedly, I have the MS three, so it's part switcher, part multi effects, but. Sure. B- I still see like people's pedal boards. Like uh, Jamie Stillman's pedal board was photographed r- recently, and that doesn't have a switcher. Uh, I was really surprised to see um, Yvette, Yvette Young's uh, pedal board without a without a switcher. And I'm like, I don't understand how 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 you maintain. How do you keep track of everything whilst you're playing stuff without having something that can turn several pedals on and
1: off at once? I don't do it anymore either. I can't. I used to. And like I had the the Boss ES8. I have bought that thing twice and I've had (laughs) pedal board set up with it twice and uh, it was just moved on because I'll, I'll be honest, the issue was not the individual channels. For me, I run such a small pedal board now that it's not that big a deal. Right. Sure. You know, so it's fine. I just, you know, I can, I can like at most I have not counting a tuner. I think my small board right now has six foot switches because I have two, three pedals that each have two foot switches, right? Right. Um, one either tap tempo or does a thing, but uh, I can manage that. I could literally stomp on all of those real fast. Like, if I, not that that would ever happen, there's no, no reason for that to ever happen. But I hated programming MIDI on yeah. the, the ES8. I hated it. It was, and I didn't realize that it, was bad, I thought it was just MIDI, and I realized, Matt, I'm so sorry, I'm trash-talking here a little bit. Um, <laughs> the um, I didn't realize that the way that program was bad, I thought it was just MIDI, until I got a Morningstar MIDI controller, right. and I realized how simple it could be. Yeah. The M- Morningstar are definitely, they've got it down. What a brilliant company. Yes. I've never owned any of their
2: stuff, but I've watched, I've thought about purchasing some of their things. I've watched some of their videos where they talk you through how to get the most out of these these pedals? It's just unbelievable how much more access,
1: uh, you know, they can give you. The video support of showing you how to do literally everything with their product is the reason it's so easy to use.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I
1: had the MC6, and then I immediately, when the MC6 Pro came out, I immediately bought it. Right.
2: Yeah, you know, I have I have thought about it a lot. Maybe I should because I feel like there are things like I have the the Boss GT Core, which I simply don't use because not enough foot, foot switches. Yeah, not enough foot. Great sounds, not enough foot switches, and so I can't. You know, I don't get the most out of it. But yeah, something like a Morningstar opens that up. Really, I, I really regret that actually because I had the GT one thousand mm-hmm. and uh the core came out and i was like oh that'd be great i can inter- in- integrate that into a pedalboard more easily so i convinced matt to let me swap it and I, mm. I regret it now i i would much rather have the the normal dd because the core needs something else with it but maybe that's the solution maybe getting the the morning star is there is the thing highly recommended mm, well, we'll see we'll see i'll Oh, i'll i'll give it some some strong consideration now dear listener we're pretty much at time for this week's episode of guitar nerds so you can get in touch with us if you like to ask questions or for any reason at all um email us if you like at info at guitarnerds dm us on instagram ask in the open forum on the facebook group the guitar nerds group if you're a patreon supporter contact us through the patreon a lot of you have been sending me dad jokes they've been good but I'm look I need a cut I need a cut above I haven't used I've maybe used one person's yet I need some stronger ones come on people I believe in you send me send me those great dad jokes and I'll uh, I'll I'll include them anyway Philip and I are going to head over to the Patreon right now where we're going to talk about this week's questions of the week you can join us there visit patreon.com forward slash for all the info on how to sign up and how to support our charming community you can do that for as little as a dollar a month um philip where can people check out everything that 40 what podcasts do
1: uh, so you can find me uh, the, if you really want to get in touch with me or you want to find what I'm doing, uh, you can go over to Instagram at 40 Watt Podcast. The, the course, there's a website, 40wattpodcast.com. Uh, you can also find me on YouTube listeners, please. So the goal this year is to grow YouTube, like to focus on that more. So go, go hit subscribe on YouTube. I promise you, I won't bug you too much. And, uh, other than that, you can find the podcasts on YouTube or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Absolutely wonderful.
2: Um, Well, um, thank you very much, everyone, for listening. You've been lovely. We've been the Guitar Nerds. Farewell.
1: Au revoir.
3: Thank you dear listener for listening to another episode of the guitar nerds podcast but thank you most of all to all of our top tier patreon supporters without you none of this would be possible thank you to marcus deluxe scott guitars suresh Dorsonic Pickups Chris Franklin Anton Fryatt, Rust Meehan Barry Grisbeck Steve Davis Daniel Walker Joan Brown John Conaway The Studio Rats Russell Healing Yogi the Guitarist Ty Allen Kyle Harris Sean Hughes Andy Hoffler Eric Hemmer Jeffrey Wax, Ryan Einsler, Mark Hizau-Kadawaki, Stuart Robson, Eric File, Peter Peche, Andy Manley, Simon Milbourne, Joe Puttick, Blake Wyland, Phil Radomski, Dave Lee, Ross Edwards, Jason Wharton, James Dor, Jake Gray, Derek Rich, Scott Kennedy, Steve Merkel, Abe Matthews, Christopher Loseth, Stephen Burke, Robin Smith, Kitopia The Band, J.D. Short, Andy McKenzie, Brad Page, Paul Corrigan, Rob Nordwick, Scott O'Brien, and Moog